0: Welcome. Welcome to another DOS Game Club podcast. This is number 35, in which we're discussing the game we played in August, which is Sid Meier's Pirates. So, yeah, looking forward to that very much. As I suggested the game myself, by the way, so of course I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm Martijn, Tijn on the forums, and uh, I'm not going to talk about this game alone at all. In fact, we're joined again by our regular co-host, it's Florian. Yeah, but just barely. Oh, what, what, why? Uh, you know, we're a bit late now. You know it, just... <laughs> yeah, but you can't hear that when you're listening to this, can you? Yeah, but 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 we're an honest podcast. Um, okay, okay. Well, anyway, he's here. And yeah, what happened, man? I mean, where were you? Uh, moving, new job, life. Wow, you went on holiday as well, I think. Oh, yeah, that, that but that was just uh, like, like one week, so... <laughs> mm, okay, well, but still. I'm glad you're back. Yes, yeah, I mean, so am I. It it doesn't feel complete without you. Oh, so, ah, uh, ah, oh, so nice. oh, oh. it's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's not just us two, is it? There's two other people. Uh, first of all, returning again, it's David. Hello, thank you very much for having me back. Yeah, very excited to talk about pirates! Exclamation mark! <laughs> 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 it's interesting. They there's there's so much to talk about. Just the title of this game. I mean, yeah. Sit, Meier's Pirates! Exclamation mark is the title of this game. It's really awkward, but uh, yeah, super cool that you could join us again. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, and there's also a brand new member on. It's Jonas. Hello, guys. Hey, super nice that you could join us. Thanks for having me. Don Don Amar on the forums. <laughs> right, something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and David <laughs> is of course evil commie dictator. <laughs> I love that. name. <laughs> yeah, it's a perfect nickname. Although yeah. I'm kind of happy we're just doing first names because it's really awkward to uh, keep saying Evil Commie Dictator. <laughs> what do you think of the game Evil Commie Dictator? <laughs> Normally you just take
1: one of the one of the three syllables and just run with it, but it's all good. David's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I I don't know. It, it's actually it's mostly because of Florian's weird ass nickname. I mean, what is R N L F for kind of nickname, Florian? Yeah, I've I've been looking for a new one for a long time, but mm. it, you you know who keeps telling me I should keep
2: this one? It's it's yeah, a certain it's guy called Tinius.
0: <laughs> it's your brand. I mean, it's your people know you now by yeah, the, the foulest name that nobody can actually say. It was a bad <laughs> decision all along. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, let's talk about pirates. Yeah. Yeah. Yar. Yar. <laughs> Normally, we begin by uh, mentioning who suggested this game, but actually, in this particular case, uh, I suggested it myself. So. Okay, but why? Why? Well, because uh, it's one of my uh, childhood favorite games. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I just used to play this game a lot. Although, when I say this game, I mostly mean the remake. Uh, because there's different versions of this game, we'll talk about this more later, definitely. But uh, the original Sid Meier's Pirates came out in 1987, uh, and I was only four years old when that, yeah, when that year was on. So um, four years old is not old enough to play this game, and especially not if you're not a native English speaker, because this game is basically just navigating menus mostly. Uh, so, yeah. I watched my cousin play this a lot. He's a few years older than me. So I, uh, I used to sit next to him and he would play the game and I was just looking at the screen and... Uh, I thought I was the only one until you said it. yeah we were talking about this a little bit before the show started basically it's like twitch right (laughs) just watching someone play that's what we all used to do for some reason back in the day maybe that's how twitch got started because they realized everyone has these memories of (laughs) watching other people play games and they were like oh yeah let's i don't know but uh, yeah i mostly watched my cousin play the original um and then in 1993 the remake came out and uh it came out on CD-ROM and i just got a CD-ROM drive like this was literally my first CD-ROM game was Sid Meier's Pirates i got it with the drive like i bought the drive and i bought a copy of pirates 2 with the purpose of playing it using the drive so yeah i i just played it forever i mean the 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 remake was my game and i i I was late for school so many days because of this game. <laughs> that's basically uh, the best way to describe how much I played this. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the reason why I thought it would be cool to dive into it again. So, yeah, that's why I picked it. Does that answer your question, Florian? I think it does. Okay. <laughs> but had had you, had you played it before? I had heard about it,
2: and I've seen a few screenshots, but that's basically all. Right. So this was
0: my first encounter with the actual game. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So what did you think it was like? And was it like that when you actually played it? Well, it was pretty much the way I I thought it would be. Um, I hadn't thought
2: too much about it. Um, Some of the things were a bit more pronounced than I thought they were, like the sword fighting. Okay. And... Yeah. Well, I guess we will get into that later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's basically a series of mini games, this game. It's like, it's not one game. It's like you said, sword fighting is a big part, but also sailing, which almost feels like a separate game. And then in between that, it's lots of menus and lots of navigating. That's, yeah. So did you play the original or the remake?
2: I first tried the original Mm -hmm. and I thought, there were some serious problems with it. Hmm. Like um the fighting and and um sea battles, they were so furiatingly slow. it made me really it made me feel bad actually. Like hmm. I, I had i had like a my, my body reacted to the way the <laughs> of the slowness of the game. And then I tried the gold version and then I thought maybe the original is not so bad after all.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. So that not a great experience.
2: Well, I I liked the game in the end, but uh, yeah, it took quite some time for me to get used to it, actually. Mm, To understand the qualities of the game.
0: No, not shots fired, but cannons (laughs) fired there. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. But I think, I think the main reason why you didn't like it as much is because you were playing on the lowest difficulty, right?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, as soon as I
0: played on, on higher difficulty levels, um, it became much more bearable. So Because the game runs faster, the, like the, the, the sword fighting is faster. And... Yeah, it's, it's, it's not really uh, about the, the speed, maybe it's more about the reactiveness or something. Right. Yeah, it's the reactiveness, that's right. really what bothered me as
2: well. Yeah, yeah well, I guess we'll get into that once we discuss yeah. those parts
0: of the game. Okay, but you did like it in the end.
2: Yeah, in the end I had, I had quite some fun with the
0: game. All right, so you don't have to get into a fight with David right no. at the start of the show.
2: Well, <laughs> only if there's golden wolf. <laughs> so I'll, I'll see you across the
0: burning embers of my boat as you board my ship. <laughs> yes. So I, I want to quickly move over to Jonas. Or should I say Jonas or Jonas, actually? I don't know. Just uh, Jonas, that's uh, kind of the way we pronounce it here. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. Right. So, so did you play it before, Jonas?
3: Uh, no, I only watched my brother play it when I was a kid uh, on his Amiga mm. um, a couple of times only. I didn't really remember it, um, but I thought about playing it a couple of times during the years, but, but never got around to it. So uh, this was a perfect opportunity to try it.
0: Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's So you, you did think about it since then?
3: I did. Yeah, because uh, it's a really popular game. Um uh, it's a famous game, so I heard about it uh, a lot. Really, I, and I knew
0: that it existed, but uh, never, just never got around to it. Oh, ah, but that's kind of perfect then that we right. that we featured it and that you, because how did you learn of our club? Like, how did you get into this?
3: Well, I'm a I'm a member of a, a DOS uh, group on Facebook, and right. uh, I think one of your members uh, uh, posted uh, the podcast for the Blackthorn. Right. Uh, episode. And, uh, and that's how I got to know you. So, and I, I was really happy
0: to because I think it's, uh, it's an awesome club. Yeah, that's cool, man. Maybe, maybe we should get onto Facebook as well, Florian. There seem to be DOS people there.
2: Well, if you want to manage it, go ahead.
0: <laughs> mm, mm, yeah, no. But I'm happy. I'm happy that other people are reaching out because that's honestly the way that it should work. I mean, we should not be the only ones pulling everyone. To this, I mean, it's cool that it's like growing organically, I suppose, because yeah, that's the club idea.
2: Yeah, we're just the two voices holding this podcast and club together.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So that, yeah, that's super cool, uh, Jonas. um So, so you remembered your brother playing it, but was it similar now that you were playing it yourself, or was it different? I, I didn't really remember a
3: lot about the gameplay. I actually didn't. I only remember like images i had images in my head of the boat sailing around but uh i didn't really know what it was about at all so uh so i just uh learned about it from playing it now and uh i think was uh it was a lot of fun um but uh it it wasn't one of those games that i play for hours on end Um, Mm. but it was uh i liked it i think it was a lot of fun for for what it is
0: yeah exactly and did you play the original version or or any of the remakes I played the gold
3: version, um, right? So, uh, but now that you say the things about the difficulty level, maybe I should have uh, tried one of the higher ones. I, I started on the bottom one and uh, mm-hmm. and and I advanced to journeyman at some point. Uh, yeah, but um, I also had a lot of technical difficulties at first. Um, mm. I, I had a. Um, it was, it was really, really slow to react at first. Um, so mm-hmm. I wrote to GOG, and, and this guy, he helped me out. He's, he told me to, to tweak it, uh, to, to, to like put it on Administrator and add it to my um, antivirus program and a lot of stuff. Oh. Uh, and it actually... There was also a couple of graphic glitches. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the character was walking down in the uh, bottom left-hand side of the screen okay. all the time. Oh, um, and it only disappeared if I, it appeared sometimes and then it disappeared if I quit the game and reloaded it. That's not good. No, it's not. So <laughs> I, I really had a lot of problems at first, but it, uh, it, it, the, the advice that this guy gave me made it all disappear so I could play ah. it. Uh, ah. And also, I had a lot of problems. I was using the, uh, the arrow keys, mm-hmm. uh, for turning the boat. Yeah. But that's apparently a lot slower than using the mouse,
0: but. Yeah, the gold version is a bit weird with that, isn't it? Yeah. Because the original is is kind of snappy with the with the keyboard controls, and it's oh, yeah, okay. it's alright. Well, but yes, then the, if you
2: play on high difficulty. Yeah, oh. exactly.
0: But then the gold version is is you have to like press right ten times for it to move one right. click. So yeah, right. it's kind of weird. Yeah. But the mouse buttons, that's really uh, fast to react. So
3: also mm-hmm. on the lower difficulty. So so that yeah. worked out. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I saved you for last David because mm-hmm. I know that you played it uh back in the day. Yeah, so like like, like both of you, I, I I was I watched
1: my father play it on the Commodore 64 and I gave it a go when I was quite a young lad and yeah. uh enjoyed it. Uh obviously being a native English speaker makes things a little bit easier when you're younger. Yeah. But uh I didn't I've never actually played uh the gold version. But when the uh, the remake came out, Live the Life in twenty twelve ish, 2008 ish, I've played I played that one as well.
0: Oh, Because right. I
1: really think that um, Pirates is good as a sort of a repeatable game. That was something that you could possibly stream, or you, you can just continually have new adventures in it. So I mm-hmm. I was entirely happy to come back to it and give it a go for DOS Games Club.
0: Yeah, it is is It is all pretty uh, procedural-generated stuff, right? I mean, it's not a set-out story that you just follow. It's not linear at all.
1: No, and like most of Sid Meier's games, be it the military ones or these ones here, he's made that repeatability a core of these games in that no game
0: will ever play out the same way. Yeah. Unless you specifically go out of your way to do it that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you did. you did stream it a few times. I think I even joined one of the of the sessions. You did, yeah. I um I, I had an
1: actual proper stream going on my horrible connection here, but um I, I thought it would be amusing if I actually drank pirate rum while I was streaming. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> that,
2: that turned out a good idea. Um
1: we had we had a swig of rum for every naval battle we won and every uh, town we took over, and um. A friend of mine said that he thought I was doing all right. I wasn't actually drinking rum, but clearly he didn't watch for two hours because after two hours, <laughs> kicked in, I was absolutely gone. I was slurring and there was one point where I basically just forgot to turn the overlay off and just had B right back on for five minutes and then went
0: and closed the stream and went to sleep. The spirit, man. but that's when you really act like a pirate, isn't uh, it? That's I probably would have fallen off the ship to be honest, <laughs> so that wouldn't have been very useful.
2: <laughs> yeah, but that that sounds very piratey to me, <laughs> very Jack Sparrow like. Yeah, <laughs> super cool, super cool.
0: Um, did you? So, oh yeah, right. So you played the uh the remake. I was going to ask if you played it in between, like from back when you were a kid. You played the original, or the, yeah, the original version, I suppose. But then you played the remake, so. I guess I guess all the games are kind of similar, aren't they, David?
1: Very similar indeed. The um, the remake adds in a few little extra things, yeah. but it, it, the core gameplay is still the same, which is why on the forums everyone was saying, look, if you can't get the DOS version to work,
0: play the gold version, it's essentially the same thing. Exactly. Or even the new one, it's, yeah. I think it, it just looks a bit different because it's all 3D and stuff. It has a little bit different vibe going on, but yeah. The gameplay loop, the essence of it, is basically the same. Right, (laughs) guys? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe, maybe to people listening who have not played it or are not as familiar with it, maybe we should go over the basics a little bit. Just explain this game a bit in broad strokes. So anyone feel like doing that? Oh, sure. So, uh,
1: starting off as a, a poor uh, farmer in in the Caribbean, there you uh, happen upon a chant a crew who are looking for a new captain. Uh, upon answering the copy protection correctly mm-hmm. and dueling the captain for control of your new boat, mm-hmm. you are off on your adventure. Yeah, you get to uh, to sail the high seas in your period of time and as an as a nationality of your choice,
0: either. Being a pirate or a trader or fulfilling the wishes of your royalty. Exactly. It's a, yeah, it's really a simulator, isn't it? It's like, uh, it's on the one hand, it's quite, it it feels quite realistic to me, but I'm sure that it's actually a very romanticized version of, of piracy. But yeah, it's basically just a pirate simulator, I guess. Or not even just pirate, like you say, you can also just be a trader if you want to. Really? You don't have to be a pirate? Well, you don't, you, you don't have to. Okay. I mean, it, the game doesn't really make you do anything, does it? Oh, I guess not. No, it's very open world, and you, you get to
1: choose what you want to do, which is uh, sort of probably a novelty for this sort of time period, really, in that you were just thrown into the world without yeah. any real direction apart from your first interaction with the government.
0: Yeah. So didn't you realize, Jonas, that you could actually no, do what you want?
3: <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't know that you could uh, play the
0: game as a trader. You could actually make money from that. Yeah, man, you can make loads of money. <laughs> really, I didn't know. <laughs> if you can find two uh, cities, because the game takes place uh, on a, a map of the Caribbean, right? Right. Uh, it's it's not a procedural generated map in that sense. Yeah. It's all. It's it's the same map every time. Uh, but what is sort of procedural is that the, the the economy of all the different towns fluctuates over time. Oh, so the prices all differ everywhere. I okay. had no idea. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So if you can find one town where where one item is very expensive, and the same item is very cheap in another town, you can just right. trade between them and make boatloads literally boatloads of money right that's uh, oh that's pretty awesome that actually just uh, um,
3: adds another dimension to the game that i didn't even know was there yeah maybe i should have given it a, a little bit more time
0: yeah well it's just yeah so yeah the game basically just gives you the choice of what you're doing and and, and david you already mentioned um the the politics aspect of a little a little bit because you you uh, choose a, a nation, you choose to be a representative of a of one of four nations, I think. Yeah, and so that and that
1: relates to the world because obviously at the beginning of the the air quotes new world, um, the Spanish are dominant, mm-hmm. and then as time goes on, uh, the other European nations start their own influences there, and basically who you pick sort of. Uh, Sets up the world as to whether you're the underdog or the overdog, or uh, yeah, however you want to play it.
0: Exactly, because you you can choose between being uh, of Spanish, English, French, or Dutch nationality. Which uh, it's when I was playing this as a kid, it it came across as completely perfectly normal that you could pick the Dutch nationality, being of it myself, and not. Th- realizing that actually the Dutch are not like a huge (laughs) influence worldwide. So I I never thought one second about it until much later when I thought, whoa, it's kind of bizarre that there's like four nations and we're one of them. I mean, the English and the Spanish, I get those, but (laughs) yeah, you can pick the Dutch. I think this is only one of two games I'm aware of where you can beat the Dutch. But it's probably because they were one of the ones that went to the
3: New World, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's some sort of historical accuracy going on because, yeah, uh, yeah this, the, the the different cities in the Caribbean they they are aligned with what they historically were aligned with. So, uh, really, so yeah, there are some actual Dutch uh, colonies still uh, in the Caribbean. So, yeah, you can just sail to those, and they they are actually Dutch in the game as well.
3: Wow.
0: So. Uh, yeah it maps pretty accurately that's pretty cool yeah that's cool um and the the spanish like you mentioned david the spanish are by far the dominant party in the in the spanish well the, it's called the spanish main i think so that's a hint yeah it's really <laughs> subtle yeah it's really spanish territory that you're sailing through so if you pick the spanish then i guess that means there's a lot of friendly ports which I guess could be beneficial. But of course, if you're playing as a pirate, then, well, it's better not maybe to be the Spanish because then there's a lot of hunting ground. <laughs> so Well,
2: that's, that's what you told me when I got started. Mm-hmm. But it also meant I could never sell my, my loot to anyone. Well, not to the Spanish. Well, I, I played as, as, as a Dutch uh, pirate as well, I mm-hmm. think, most of the time. And it meant there were hardly any ports I could sell my stuff to.
0: Yeah, yeah, just the 3 Dutch ports. Yes, and there are yeah. like
2: three three ports and yeah. it takes hours to get from one end of the map to the <laughs> other.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: So that's that's frustrating. Yeah. Maybe you should tell beginners about that. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because that's that's maybe an interesting subject to talk a little bit about. The well, maybe you can tell us Florian what's your experience with actually sailing around in this game?
2: Well, um you need to learn about how to sail against the wind, Right. and it, uh, I forgot the English word for it. What's it called? Oh, yeah, there's a term for it. I think. Yes. Uh, uh, in German, we call it kreuzen, like like um, crossing the wind. Right. But tacking, yeah. I think. Tacking is in English. Exactly. Yeah. And that can take ages. Um, <laughs> and I don't know about uh, if, if that's that's like a. Geographic um accuracy in the game, but the wind always seemed to come from the east. Mm-hmm. So when you want to go east, it, it can take ages to get there. Yeah. yeah. So in, in the end I, I always ended up in in um, one of those bays in the west.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And never got back again.
0: Mostly. Yeah. Yeah, because all the, the different nationalities, they are all in the east. And then the further west you move, the more Spanish it gets. Yeah.
2: Well, go figure.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, going west is really easy in this game. And going east, not so much.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, when, when you have a ship full of, of goods that you want to sell and your only friendly harbor is like a thousand miles to the east, then, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, now you can see why I was late for school. Because <laughs> I was in the middle of the ocean. What could I do? I mean... Yeah, you, you had no chance. Exactly. Like once I reached the port, I could save the game, but until then, I'm not going to school there's yeah. <laughs> five more screens to send kids. come on, <laughs> so uh
3: yeah, can I ask something uh, yeah sure do do the uh ports change nationality as the games as the game progresses, or can you
2: like attack it and make it change nationality or something well, i I can answer half of the of those questions, okay. Um, you can attack ports and then install a, a new governor of your choice right. or of a, of a nationality of your choice. But I don't know if they actually change nationality without you doing anything. But I'm sure the other two
0: professional pirates here <laughs> will be able to tell us. So, yes, yes. Yeah, they definitely do. Yeah.
1: So, you're right. So, if you attack a town that is got a low ranking in the town uh, happiness index, not happiness, but survivability index, if they're struggling, Something like that, then you can flip them to another nationality. Oh, okay. They will eventually turn back, though, which is a little bit frustrating. Right. But uh, in the game, so you pick a particular time period to play your game at, and that will set up the world map allegedly as it was at that time. So, for example, uh, there is Port Royal in Jamaica, which is English in the last two or three time zones, but before then is actually Spanish. Okay. And that will happen, the, the, the ports will change nationality right. according to the, the air quotes, historical record in
0: the game. Right, yeah, I, I thought I noticed that. Yeah. yeah, and also while playing, right? Mm. I mean, if you're just playing for a long time, yeah. then, uh, well, things can just randomly happen. And uh, cities get attacked by NPCs, basically, and, and get turned. Yes. yes. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it's interesting to, to talk about the different periods a little bit because, I, to me, this is one of the more interesting aspects of the game in that, well, this gives you really the illusion that you're in a simulator and this is all really historically researched, you know? Because uh, when the game starts, uh, it asks you, I think, if you want to play in a specific period. And if you don't, then it automatically throws you into the 1660s which is called the buccaneer heroes and is considered uh yeah sort of the easiest scenario or the most fun one uh, the yeah it's just a a period with lots of pirating uh all the nationalities are there the spanish are weak you can just prey on them and yeah just have fun as a pirate basically but there are several other periods as well the, the game starts in 1560 with uh, the silver empire and i think that's really the start of the whole spanish dominance and then uh the the next period is 1600 and then by 1620 the third one is called the new colonists i think that's the one where the dutch and the french are introduced the dutch at least i think well they, they introduce gradually through time uh, 1640 is called War for Profits, because that's when the uh, all the different nationalities really start to compete and, and start to want to get some of that Spanish gold, because that's the whole reason why Spain is there to begin with, is to transfer all this South American gold out of the region back to Spain. Yeah, 1660 is the, the Buccaneer Heroes, as mentioned, and then 1680 is the last period, the Pirate Sunset, which is... Uh, When I think what happened historically is that governments, European governments, they they sort of figured, well, actually, it's kind of nice to let these rough men uh, do our dirty work for us. So before they would hire these buccaneers almost, they would grant them letters of mark, they were called. They were official documents allowing these people to attack other nations and everything so it was sort of a cheap way for european nations to not have to deal through an official navy but just let these scoundrels take care of their enemies but turns out that actually these people are kind of hard to control and they don't always do what you tell them to and they basically just attack anyone so it made diplomacy really difficult (laughs) so yeah by the end of the 17th century uh they were not such a fan of pirates anymore in europe and they started hunting them down and just putting them all in jail and and ending effectively the golden age of piracy that's basically the whole historic arc of this game
1: and it's interesting too because in the manual they they literally have many many paragraphs for each of these periods so they've clearly done their research Mm. it's quite impressive and um even the Pirate Sunset, read really going through Wikipedia and realizing that pirates actually started some very minor wars between Europeans as well. Definitely. So it's um, so- somewhat awkward when a bearded guy half the world away puts you at war with your neighbor.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's why the, they were not such a fan of them anymore by the late 17th century, because it, in Europe, the English and the French or the Spanish and the Dutch or whoever might have made peace, but these guys were not going to... Listen to any of that they were just keeping on fighting, which made the whole peace truce thing kind of difficult to maintain. but it's kind of insane, right, that these pirate buccaneer guys actually existed I mean it kind of seems like a fantasy story kind of thing, but turns out they that it was pretty much real a real thing it's wild, it's insane, yeah. It's, I mean, it's historical mercenaries,
1: isn't it? Really? Right. I mean, you're over. You 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 haven't got any influence in this area, nor can you support a military in this area. So you go and pay the locals to go off and do it. And um, yes, I mean, we see that replicated today in stuff like Star Trek. Star Trek is, you know, you're out in the wild frontier where there are pirates and bad guys and friendlies, but you don't know, and hmm. it's uh, all all very much by the by the seat of your pants and uh, with the brain on your head and see how you go.
0: Yeah, I think this is one of the reasons why this game feels so cool to me is because it sort of feels real in a way like yeah i'm i'm doing history and i i I mean i i said i wasn't going to school but in a way this game taught me a lot so uh, (laughs) i mean i maybe i was late for the official class but i i know the map of the caribbean now so (laughs) that's something right
2: no answers
0: (laughs) Uh, ah it's something (laughs) Maybe it's 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 cool to go over the different well mini games or aspects or different parts of this game and it's it's tied into a, a thing that at the start of the game you can choose a skill. Uh, the game asks you if you're um, want to be particularly good at navigation, fencing, gunnery, charm, or medicine, which are five aspects uh, that that each influence different parts of this game and they kind of tie in with everything this game has to offer. So did anybody choose anything other than the sword fighting? Um, uh, I, I like to go for gunnery actually. Okay. Uh, because then you can shoot more often when you're in a oh. gun sailing boat fight. Yeah. Then uh, the reloading is faster. Oh, okay. So you can get to fire more shots. And, and actually my, my personal theory or my personal like strategy is to avoid the fencing entirely by taking them out before then, you know? So if you... Oh,
2: right. You can avoid fencing?
0: Well, you can't invo- avoid it entirely. But if you if you really, before the fencing starts, before two ships collide, you can take shots and really take down a lot of their men. And if you take it down enough, then they might surrender. And that avoids the whole fencing part. So
2: We'll talk about the uh, battles in a while because they have problems of their own, I think. But uh, in in this document that we are uh, secretly all reading here, somebody, probably you, wrote that choosing a skill actually makes this one particular thing one level easier, mm-hmm. right? So instead of the difficulty that you picked, it will be one less. Right. Now that I found out that um, the problem I had with sword fighting was that I played on too low a difficulty level, mm. and I also picked fencing as my skill... <laughs> Yeah, so that, that explains a lot.
0: Yeah, that that I think that's probably it. Yeah. Did that make it
2: harder for you? Or what? what did you mean? It didn't actually make it harder, but it was just so unreactive that oh, okay. I, I barely I almost had to quit the game because right. I couldn't stand how unreactive it was.
3: Yeah, I had the same problem at first, but the uh, the tweaking stuff that I told you about that actually helped a little bit with the sword fighting as well.
2: I wasn't playing it on Windows, so... Oh, right. And I was playing a different version. I was playing the original, so... Oh, okay. I doubt that's the same thing. Probably not. Yeah. But...
1: I mean, I took fencing as well, purely because the, the fencing part is is the singular part of the game you can't get away from. You can kind of avoid doing a whole lot of things. Well, not a whole lot of things in this game, but fencing is something you pretty much have to do at most points in the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's also a last resort, right? I mean, once it comes down to fencing you better win yeah. because that's, that's it. I mean, if you lose the fencing, then
2: your money is gone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the game might end,
3: right? Sometimes if you, if you lose a sword fight uh, a couple of times in a row, you think the
0: game stops, right? Um, I'm not sure if it ever stops entirely, although I think it can, but it, it there's definitely various punishments. Um, I mean, one of the, the least, bad things that can happen is that you're just simply sent to jail and then you bust out a few months later and you're on your feet again. <laughs> but yeah. you can also be sent to a deserted island, I think. And that makes things a lot more difficult to get back in shape again. Uh, but I'm not sure if it, if the game can really end completely. Although maybe if you're old, because the yeah. as you play, the time progresses as well. So if you're particularly old then at one point the game will make you retire and will just say come on man this is no But
3: I'm pretty sure at first when I had all those problems uh I I lost all the sword fights and all the boat fights and everything oh man uh, and I didn't make any money <laughs> yeah and I didn't have any food and oh, all that man. stuff so uh Worst and captain. that. And it, that I know, and they told me it's because the, the the game actually ended it. Yeah,
0: okay. because I lost everything. Like a mercy, yeah. like okay, good man. <laughs> right, give yeah, me They're gonna put <laughs> putting me out of my misery. Play something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so what happens with the game is so that every hit you take in sword fighting, and every time you are captured. You get premature aging from those wounds that you've taken. Oh, yeah. So what happened in in your game there is that yeah, you, you basically got right. prematurely aged enough the game retired you because you were too old right. and firm to captain
0: a boat. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and and if back to the skills you can pick at the start. If you pick uh medicine as your skill, you you can sort of extend this, right, David? That's right. So that reduces the amount of damage you take from being captured and being hit by swords yeah exactly. So if you're really a pro player, then you pick the medicine uh, skill and then you can play on for longer and thus get a higher score in the end, because actually, in the end, this game is a high score game. Most high score games, to me at least, are associated with much shorter games. You just like play them for a few minutes and then you get a score. but this game you can play for hours and hours, and then in the end, you you're ranked. And you're put into this Hall of Fame. So everything you do th- that adds to your score. So the longer you play and the more, you know, the more ships you capture, the more gold you find, the more cities you attack. You you can even get points for marrying, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you marry a particularly pretty lady, then you get more points. So so she has yeah. to be pretty. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think <laughs> really, Her prettiness adds to your score. <laughs> yeah. And if you, if you marry like a very plain uh like shopkeeper's uh, daughter, then that's not a lot of points. But if you it, marry it reduces, really... <laughs> it
3: reduces the points. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I don't think so. But oh, okay. if you if you if you marry a really pretty uh, governor's daughter, well, that's yeah, that's a lot of points right there. So wow, that's yeah, fun. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and the 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 charm skill, which is also one of the ones you can pick up to start, uh, makes it a little bit easier to convince these uh, pretty ladies to to marry you. So. Yeah, that's also one aspect of the game. So, yeah, it's a, whole, it's a whole sequence of various situations you find yourself in. It's its kind of fun. I, I don't know, it's its typical Sid Meier style, isn't it? I mean, it's just, for some reason, you just keep on playing. It's just, I don't know what this guy... Uh, He's he's very he's really good at game design. Did anyone know that Seth Myers good at game design? <laughs> I, I think
1: you're onto something there. <laughs> There's a small game I think, which is you know quite a niche game called Civilization. Mm. I think that's kind of popular. That's that's going still yeah, right. Yeah, yeah.
0: So this guy's going places. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scrolling through our notes, which you mentioned before, Florian, and and I'm seeing that actually one of the options you can choose from the start is to lead a famous expedition. Um, Because to me, the normal way to play this game is to just play it like a sandbox and you can just do whatever you want. Uh, But actually, there are also scenarios you can pick from. So... Is that in the original game? Yeah. I don't remember seeing that. Yeah, that's the third option, I think. If you start the oh. game, the first oh. one is just start a new game, and the second one is load a saved game, and the third one is lead a famous expedition. Oh, well, I learned something.
2: <laughs> so
1: so with the famous expeditions, there are about six different ones, and they're all um, named pirates or named uh, commanders that you can go and, and pick up, so... You'll start off the game and the game will give you an armada of ships. You'll have about six or seven ships and you'll be near a a particular port. And your goal is basically to often do what that particular person did. You can still go and do whatever you like, but unlike playing it normally in the sandbox mode, once you divide the plunder, then that expedition is considered complete. So it's sort of like a smaller, more uh, focused game where you're just basically attacking towns and causing havoc.
2: Maybe we should talk a bit about what uh, dividing the plunder means in the game. Because at first I thought it would actually end the game for me. Mm -hmm. So what you actually have to do in the game, you do all your pirating and um, you end up with a lot of money on your ship, but you also have a big crew. so, So you need to pay your people and you get, I think like, like, Twice as much as each of your crew members, or something like that.
0: It actually depends on your difficulty. Oh, right. Uh, the higher difficulty, the the more, the larger your portion is. Oh, of really? The, of the oh, total Oh, that makes sense. So yeah.
2: difficulty adds yeah. to your score, actually.
0: Yeah, exactly. Wait, but
2: that, that makes sense, uh, gameplay wise, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but it also means the more crew you have, the easier it is for you to um, actually. Do more pirate things, like like looting and <laughs> winning battles. Yeah. But it also means you get less money in the end. Mm-hmm. And yeah, once you've done that, you get your share and then you can find a new crew and keep parroting. Exactly. But it, it also meant that, that um, I always played with a very small crew and then suddenly I ended up with a very big crew for some reason and it took me quite a while to get that crew back to a manageable size before I could divide the plunder. And that's very risky because the longer you uh, play without dividing the plunder, the more likely it is that you get um, captured or sent to a deserted island or something. And then all your money that you uh, made since your last divide of the plunder is lost.
0: Yeah, exactly. Also,
3: if you, if you uh, crash a ship, you lose some money, right?
0: Yeah, yeah this basically you're losing money all the time so yeah <laughs> exactly. the plunder is really a way to make sure that the the amount of gold you have at that moment is just safe and yeah. it's just yeah. stored away and that's nobody can touch it anymore you put it uh in your own cave somewhere i don't know and it's yours yeah
2: well i, I felt very much like a man of very low morale or bad morale <laughs> Uh, if you get the reference, a low moral uh, fiber. I'm um, low moral fiber. Well, that was it, right? Yeah. Um, because I really tried to get my crew to the manageable size before dividing the banner. So I picked fights that I knew I would that would cost me dozens of men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I felt like like an actual
0: pirate. <laughs> I did. I did the same thing. It's always a good yeah. plan. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's kind of interesting though that the game offers you. The, it's basically a loop, right? So you start with a very small crew and just a single ship. And you go out doing your pirate business and you uh, amass more crew as you go along. Um, But they also grew more unhappy over time because they don't want to be sailing with you. They just want to get rich. So the longer you're not paying them, the more angry and upset they get.
2: Is it really about paying them? Because I had I had a few mutinies of my own and they were usually because I I didn't make much money for the entire crew before dividing or something.
0: It's about two things. It's, It's first of all, the crew looks at the amount of gold you have. And they look at the amount of crew there is. So they're doing this calculation in their head of how large of a portion they're looking at at this moment. Do they also watch the Uh, graph um,
2: with the number of pirates in the crew go down? (laughs) No,
0: no, no. They only look at it at this moment. Um, But if they're only sailing for a very short time, then they're more lenient because then they think, oh, yeah, but it's just the start of the expedition and, you know, the money will come and it's off- it's okay. But as time progresses and they're sailing longer with you, then they're thinking, oh, this is going nowhere. I mean, this is... Yeah, so they get more upset as the expedition takes longer. Right. So your goal as a captain is really to make money fast. That's, yeah, as long as you have enough money on board, then the crew is fine. I-,
2: I wonder if um, Sid Meier... And the design team of the game actually considered people shrinking their crews through battle before dividing the plunder. Because if I would have been a member of one of those crews, and I see my friends dying, (laughs) I would have maybe made a different decision than those pirates in the game do. It's a bigger share for you, though. Yeah. Yeah, but but, I mean, uh, actually... uh, when it becomes obvious that my captain is actually trying to um, to decimate the crew.
0: So. Yeah, but if you're surviving, then you're doing better. That's so Risky business. They're pirates. But you might be next. You might be <laughs> yeah, next. But, uh, but these are fierce, fearless men. I mean, come on. <laughs> Another aspect of the game that we have not really talked about is... That uh, although you can do lots of evil pirating, you can also actually get promotions because of the different nationalities, the the, the Spanish and the French and English and everything. They all are at war with each other. So if you sail to a Dutch town and the Dutch governor says, well, actually, we're at war with the English, and then you go out and attack the English, uh, the Dutch governor is super happy with you. And if you go back to the Dutch town after attacking lots of English towns, then they'll actually promote you. So this is another way you can play the game, which I think technically is what the game is sort of about, really. I mean, this is what the whole piracy thing was about. Is It was basically, like, condoned in the way, right? I mean, these nations were... Turning a blind eye. Well, or actually, what I should say is that one nation's pirate is another nation's hero. That's really how it is, I think. So the English would view a Dutch pirate as an evil pirate, but actually, to the Dutch, he's a sea hero. He's a, like, oh yeah, he's our naval super guy. Yeah. Right.
3: So it's kind of like uh, terrorist organizations now, huh? A horrible mercenary or a freedom fighter.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So. That's that's kind of an interesting aspect that you can be uh, promoted to an admiral or a baron or, a, you know, these really fancy titles. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, don't visit the, the other nation that you're doing, inflicting the damage on because they don't, they're not so happy with you at all. <laughs> <laughs> they're sending the pirate hunters after you. Yeah.
1: Well, you need, you need to sneak into their towns and then you can ask the governor for forgiveness. And you can also give him a large sum of money, which always helps. Mm-hmm. for a letter of mar- for a letter of uh forgiveness.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a historic thing as well actually. I think these things actually existed. These letters of mark, which is a it's like a license to pirate, I guess. <laughs> Surprisingly. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. And the good thing is you can do it for multiple nations as well. So mm-hmm. the good thing about not going Spanish is that pretty much most of the Europeans The other Europeans are at war with the Spanish, so you can become friends with the English, the Dutch, and the French all at the same time.
0: Yeah, you can definitely gather promotions from everyone just by attacking each other in a strategic way. There's so many aspects to this game. I mean... Right, it really is. Yeah, yeah, because the promotions, then, they lead to finding your long-lost relatives. You get a hint... Uh, of someone who might know something about a long lost family member, so that's another completely new aspect of this game that you can uh apparently you have four missing family members, I think it's your sister, your uncle, your aunt, and your grandfather, and you can spend the game finding them. That's another thing you can do, so yeah, if you're in for a family reunion, <laughs> play pirates. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone do this? Did anyone save their family? Yes, I
3: did. I I think I got three of them and they give you treasure maps. That's really uh, something that gives you a lot of money. Hmm. Uh, If you can find these uh, secret uh, big treasures like the Inca treasure or Maya treasure or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so uh, I think I managed to find three of them before I stopped.
0: Nice. Right? Yeah. That's a lot of money right there. It is like 100,000 each. Yeah, that's insane, man. Yeah. It's kind of cool that you the game doesn't really direct you to do this. It's just something that happens and then you can follow it or not. Yeah. And uh, it's really cool. Yeah. I suppose the thing is with the, with the
1: sandbox is that um, you, you really don't have direction unless you pick it. So something like a family member or a treasure map gives you an opportunity to say, I'm going to go in this direction and search out what's here. Whereas you wouldn't necessarily have done that. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily have a reason to go over to Mexico and hunt around the coast of Mexico if you're busy pirating around uh, the north of South America. But uh, the maps give you a chance to go and explore.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm scrolling through our notes and it's kind of insane how many different things that are going on in this game. Because we haven't even talked about, for example, the ships. Like, there's all different ships in this game. And it's also all sort of historic, uh, historically researched. There's small ships and, and, and large ships and they all have different properties, like different amounts of goods they can hold, but also different amounts of cannon they can uh, have installed and, and, and fire with, but also the maneuverability of them really differs, so and that shows uh, mm mm-hmm, definitely
2: so when you when you're in a in a sea battle with a different ship and your ship happens to be not quite as, as fast or maneuverable then the other ship that you try to uh, loot it will just uh, go away it will they will just leave and yeah it will be out of your <laughs> chance to make any money from them yeah and then you try to shoot them from the distance but, like, the cannon can only fire in, uh, I think, 24 directions or something like that. Mm-hmm. So aiming, aiming is very, very hard.
3: Yeah. You can't chase someone and shoot them at the same
2: time. No. That's impossible. A, a no, you can only shoot, um, like, directly left or right and never in the direction you're, you're actually facing. Yeah. right. So.
0: But that's historically accurate as well, right? I mean, that's just how... It, yeah, yeah, it probably is. So but, that's just how these ships are designed. But it's, it's not fun.
2: No, you need the ship from
3: uh, Pirates of the Caribbean two, where they have these uh, like Gatling gun cannons at the front. (laughs) (laughs) These uh, Davy Jones's ship has those, right? Yeah,
2: not not historically accurate. Oh, I know, but probably (laughs) a lot lot more fun. (laughs) A lot more fun. (laughs) Because those 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 sea battles, they can be really really annoying. Mm -hmm. So you follow your your prey around for the whole day.
3: Mm. I just tried some... to crash into them as fast as I could. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but sometimes they're they're faster. Than right. They have a faster yeah. ship, and then you need to hit them once or twice until they yep. have like a broken mast or or, oh, a, yeah, or right. sails. And then you can actually catch up with them. Yeah. But oh, really? sometimes yeah. that just doesn't work out. Yeah. And then they will just escape. Yeah. yeah. And you spend like like 15 minutes trying to catch them. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the um, the best strategy is is not to go for the larger ships. I I, I mean, you might be inclined naturally to to want to command the big ship because it seems impressive and cool. But actually, using the small ships, they gives you they give you a massive advantage in terms of maneuverability and speed, and and that easily, in my opinion, at least, makes up for the lack of cannons and and crew they can carry so uh yeah i i prefer like the small ones like the sloop um yeah the bark not so much but yeah the sloop and the 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 smallest what's I, actually i meant to look this up but i forgot to do this the the smallest chip in the game how do you pronounce that it's like a friend no, the pinnace. is it just pinnace? yes it's i thought it was like pinach or something I, but i'm not sure if it's it seemed like a sort of a French term or I don't know. I don't know what it's, but okay, Pinnace is fine. You, you emphasize the double N, yes. Mm, right. Yeah. That's a really tiny ship and it's kind of cool. It's kind of fast, but it also, if you get hit, it's done. It's just the mast breaks off immediately and <laughs> it's just over. <laughs> but the frigate is pretty fast as well, right? Yeah, okay. that's, that's true. The frigate is is kind of an exception. It's like a... I think it's good to to stay on the sloop until you find a frigate. And then you can use the frigate to attack towns and stuff like that. Right. I got this war galleon at one point and I thought, oh yeah, now I'm going to dominate everything. It was
3: was so slow I could (laughs) catch anything.
0: Yeah, you could like fit 300 people on it or something. (laughs) But yeah, it's like a, well, a a boat is really slow. Yeah, it's a slow boat. Yeah.
2: Speaking of attacking towns, hmm. have you ever tried attacking a town against the wind? Horrible. <laughs> right. yeah. It's the worst experience. It uh, I, tried it, I tried it a few times. and That makes you rage quit <laughs> right away. You have no chance of ever reaching the fort. No,
0: I think the best way is to go to the side. So like go diagonally. And, and then because that also makes it harder for the town to shoot you because they're shooting at you while you're trying to sail towards them
2: yes and they can aim well you cannot really aim
0: well well you can aim or you can sail but you can't do both so yes yeah that's the thing
2: and i think when you land too far away from the town then your men will just say uh eh, yeah <laughs> screw it <laughs> we're not, not worth it we're pirates yeah,
0: yeah. exactly <laughs> Except when land, land battles come up But yes that's true that's true you can also actually attack by land
2: oh there are there are land but oh yes yes okay but I never tried that.
0: Hmm. But not if they don't want to walk, right? Well, it's different. if you... there's this district. It depends on the distance, right? Yeah. I think there's two things here. Um, if you approach a town with your ship, then you can choose to attack the town and you get into a sea battle with the town. Yes. And if you do that, you kind of have to land near the town because otherwise they, they won't walk the distance. Yeah. But if you land a bit further from the town and then you actually disembark, then you can walk towards the town as well. And attack on foot. Exactly. Oh, okay. So uh, so that works as well. And it's kind of interesting. It's uh, another mini game, really. It's like a, a top-down, real-time strategy game all of a sudden. It's very
1: basic, but it's a very good way of getting a whole lot of crew killed before you divide the plunder, land battles.
0: <laughs> oh, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely, because your your crew is split up into different, yeah, what do you call them? Like different groups. Yep, different groups. <coughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you just leave one part just out there and they get attacked, well, they're dead. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the end of them. <laughs> So, yeah, if you want to get rid of your men, attack by land, uh, Yeah, <laughs>
2: What did you tell me before? <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so if, but if the town you're attacking is not big enough,
1: you don't even have to do a combat phase like that. You don't have to fight on the land or on the sea. You just immediately go and duel the commander straight away. It depends on the number of forts in the town and, again, whether they're struggling or not struggling.
0: Yeah, exactly. If they don't have any forts, then this whole section is skipped. Right, And it just moves immediately to a fencing battle. Where you can pick different swords, by the way. We haven't even talked about the different swords. So many things going on in this game.
2: <laughs> do, do the different swords. Maybe we can just talk about sword fighting in general. Hmm. And uh, the, the general terribleness of it.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I kind of so, like it.
2: Well, maybe, maybe you didn't have such a bad start with it as I had. But hmm. Well, uh, I, I don't actually understand. Sword fighting in this game, I think, because you can block and you can attack. But is there any way to know when you're supposed to block? I mean, can you anticipate your opponent's moves in some way or another?
3: I have no idea. You
1: need to look at where his sword is, basically. But it's it's very hard to be reactive in this game. It's much more effective if you're on the offensive all the time, basically.
2: Yeah. Okay, That's that's how I ended up playing the game. And that basically mm. means you just Push one of the two, I think, two attack buttons uh, for high and low attack.
0: There's middle as well. Yeah, there's middle attack as well.
2: Ah, well, then three, and you just switch between those at random intervals. at what I did, what I did in the end. Yeah. And at least on, on those those um, medium difficulty levels, that won most of the sword fights for me. Yeah. But what 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 difference do the different swords actually make? Because I never found out.
3: There's uh, range and damage. I think that's the difference. So there's the the rapier,
1: the longsword, and the cutlass. So so the longsword by definition has the longest reach, but has the lowest damage, and the cutlass has the shortest reach but the highest damage, and the rapier is the one in the middle between those two, sort of an all rounder sword.
3: I actually thought the longsword was in the middle, but
0: okay. Uh, yeah, I think the longsword is in the middle, and the rapier is the long one. Oh, okay. Have it round the wrong way. Oh, Sorry. uh. Okay. Oh, no. I like to pick the cutlass always because it feels like a more piratey sword to me. It's like uh <laughs> it's like this curved little I don't know, it feels like a pirate sword. But don't you lose a lot of the
3: sword fights for that one?
0: Uh, no, I'm I'm alright. I okay. use um, the the low stab a lot because it's fast. Yeah. yeah. So I just I just go over there and I low stab him in the knee like <laughs> twenty times. That's my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> then he needs a wooden leg. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I like picking the cutlass uh, for for like immersion reasons, but uh, I like picking the rapier when I'm fighting one of these gentlemen, you know, like when I'm, sometimes you're fighting the, uh, the evil baron something who knows something about your sister. And then I feel I should bring out my rapier. That's more like a gentleman weapon in my mind. <laughs> So, uh,
3: you really get yeah. into this game. You yeah, really, yeah, I totally
0: yeah, yeah. just imagine I'm a pirate. That's how I play. Yeah,
2: that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I just read on Wikipedia? That the cutlass has not been in service before the 17th century. What? So, if you played that in the 1500s or, oh, uh, yeah, then you didn't do it immersively.
0: <laughs> Sorry, you ruined the game for him. <laughs> terrible game. Can't recommend this to <laughs> anyone. <laughs> um, I suppose that means uh, Arnold Hendrick didn't do his job because actually he's the guy who was hired to do all the historic accuracy stuff. That's uh, we, we should send Arnold an email <laughs> saying... He made a mistake. <laughs> oh, he did a lot of things right, though. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah, okay. I'm just only kidding. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but I thought maybe this is a, a smooth bridge to uh, to talking a little bit about uh, the people behind this game. And, and like who made it and, and how it came to be. Because uh, I, I think there are some interesting stories here actually i mean we we always research a little bit like like who made this game what happened but yeah i when i was doing exactly that uh i i found some fun stories that i'd like to share so uh if if that's all right with you i mean yeah yeah, yeah go ahead so um yeah i i mentioned arnold hendrik he's the he's actually the guy who came up with the whole thing like the with the idea to make a pirate game and that's a a more novel idea than you would maybe think because he was working at Microprose as a game designer and at the time Microprose was not known for games like this at all. Uh, They were making military vehicle simulation games like modern ones so they made uh, Gunship and they made Silent Service which is a a submarine game, and they made F-15 Strike Eagle, which is a jet fighter game. And, yeah, they were really into these uh, vehicle simulation games. I think, in fact, uh, wasn't Knights of the Sky also one of these games by Microprose, David? Yeah, but obviously a bit later on, yep. Yeah, exactly. But that's more in line with their
1: tradition, right? Yeah, definitely with the flying games. They were very big on the flying games.
0: Yeah, so... This pirate theme is really not the sort of thing Microprose was known for. But Arnold Hendrick, the game designer at Microprose who came up with this, he, he just thought it was cool. And it was mo- mostly because he was inspired by a board game by Avalon Hill called Wooden Ships and Iron Man. And I think the board game mostly revolves around the the ship battles. So you have to move your ship to different tiles and turn them to fire on the other ship, but that's controlled by the other player. And it's all, yeah, it's very slow, turn based uh, sailing simulation. And I think we, he was inspired by that uh, to try to implement that in a in a computer game. And uh, I think the reason Arnold Hendrick was really aware of these board games is because he used to be a board game designer himself and before he joined Microprose, he he designed several different board games one's called trireme which is also about ships i guess but uh, one that i actually played myself is called barbarian prince i don't know if you guys ever heard of this game no it's really a cool game and i think you should Look this up because Barbarian Prince is really cool. It's, you can find it online. If you search a little bit, you can find a, like a printed yourself version of it because it's a, it's a solo board game. So that's pretty novel, right? I mean, most board games you play with other people. That's like the whole point. But right. Barbarian Prince is, uh, is a solo game. There's a board with with tiles and you play the Barbarian Prince. And I think the story is that you're sent away from your village. You're like you're sent into the wilderness. And the goal of the game is to amass an army and then return to the village and take over and reinstate yourself as the Barbarian Prince. So you walk around the map and there's random events all the time. And you have to look them up in a little manual that goes with the game. So. Yeah, you end up on a tile, and then you look up in the manual what happens at that tile, and you roll a die, and then that determines what happens, and you move on. But yeah, you just play it by yourself. So yeah, you can just sit there for an hour and play the game by yourself. That's kind of cool. It's like a video game, but not on a computer. (laughs) I think that's also maybe why Arnold Hendrick was interested in joining a computer game development company, because he was sort of doing that already, but just on paper. So, uh, yeah, the 80s was a cool novel time, I guess. Anyway, he came up with the the pirate game, but but nobody at Microprose was impressed with the idea and nobody really saw anything uh, in it, especially because Microprose was not known for these kinds of games. But things changed a bit when uh, another Microprose person uh, called Greg Tavares, he was... I'm not sure if he was an artist or a programmer. I think maybe he was both. Because he's credited as both artist and programmer in in various roles and games. So, um, but Greg Tavares he came up with a, a windowing system, which is basically it allowed programmers to to create uh, windows on the screen at various sizes and various locations, and these these windows would contain wrapped text or images or menu options. So. Yeah, he just devised a system that allowed programmers to easily put boxes on the screen. That's basically what it was. And Sid Meier saw this and he was impressed and he was inspired actually to use this system to create a more story-driven game than what they had done before. Because he imagined if we show pictures and then we show text in these dialogue boxes, then yeah, you can sort of put together a game rather quickly this way. So Sid Meier wanted to try this out, and that's when the, when the pirate idea reappeared because then he was looking for a for a story esque thing to do, and he thought, oh, well, maybe we can do something with pirates. So he went to Microprose CEO, uh, the, the the co-founder and Sid's business partner, Bill Steely. Uh, Bill Steely was really, I feel, the um, business guy at Microprose. He was like the yeah, the guy running the operation. And he was really a fan of all this modern military military equipment. I think he maybe was an ex-army person himself. I don't know if you know this, David, but
1: Pilot, I think I think we spoke about we had it in the Knights of the Sky one, I think, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Bill Steely was really big on this military uh stuff. And that's why he liked Running MicroPost the way they were doing at that point because they were making all these cool military simulations. So, yeah, that was awesome. And then Sid said, Well, I'm going to do a pirate game about 17th century wooden ships. And Bill was like, No, 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 we're not doing that. And, uh, but yeah, apparently you can't change Sid's mind. So he was, he was going to do it. But then I read in a side note that at least Bill was able to convince Sid to drop the uh, 8 bit Atari. And and developed this game for the Commodore 64 instead, which uh, I think Sid Meier was a real big fan of the 8-bit Atari systems, but they were going out of style a bit by the mid-80s and the Commodore 64 was much more popular. So uh, yeah, Bill wasn't happy that they were doing the pirate game, but at least they were happy they were making a Commodore 64 game because that seemed more promising to him in his mind. So, yeah, that's when the pro- when the when the project started and it was really a small a small project by today's standards it's really amazing because it started in 1986 so a year before the game was released and and the whole team uh, consisted of basically well two and a half people i read somewhere uh it 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 was really just Sid Meier as both programmer and game designer and he had help from one guy who was an artist michael hare uh and i think he drew all the um, the character like the there's there's images throughout the game for for different characters uh that you encounter right when you visit a tavern or when you crash onto a ship or when you meet the governor there's all these portraits so i think michael hare drew those and that's the team i mean those two Sid Meier and michael hare that's like the full-time team making this game and then the half person who stepped in was arnold hendrick again who uh, came up with the game originally and he helped out uh with the historical accuracy and the research and stuff like that but he wasn't assigned full-time to uh, to this game so yeah that's everyone who made the game and they still delivered it in less than a year which honestly kind of blew my mind i think that was more normal back in the day though i mean This was before games were that large and complicated. So, yeah, you could just go with two or three people and slam together a game, which is honestly pretty cool to me. Famously, Sid Meier worked in iterations. I don't know if you knew this about him, but there's several talks you can find on YouTube where Sid Meier talks about his approach to game design, and he never makes these grand design documents or anything. He just... The story I read is that at Microprose, you can be talking to Sid Meier and and suddenly he goes home. He just goes away. And then the next morning he arrives back at the office and he has a prototype. And he says, what do you think of this? <laughs> and everyone's like, what? Okay. Uh, so he's just, yeah, he just makes stuff like really quickly. And then they iterate upon those prototypes. So I think they made countless different versions of pirates and they constantly were adding and removing things and tweaking things that were working and trying to find the fun. Uh, I think that's a phrase from Sid Meier. Um, So yeah, that's how they approached this thing. And one funny thing to me at least is that they, they want in their minds, they were creating an adventure game. Now, of course, when we think of adventure games nowadays, we think of point and click adventure games, which are, well, these story-based games. Uh, but but yeah, all the genres weren't as defined back then. Uh, so in their minds, this was an adventure game. But they were aware of these other kinds of adventure games, and they really didn't want to make one of those. So they really mockingly called those games Pick Up the Stick games mocking the mundane aspect of picking up items and storing them in your inventory. They didn't want something like that at all. They wanted something exciting and something that where your choices really influence what happens instead of just following along a preset story. It's, It's kind of interesting to approach this from a different angle, I feel, because Things seem kind of set nowadays uh, with the genres of games. But then back then, they were thinking fresh, you know? They were thinking like, okay, what are the possibilities? What can we do? Yeah,
2: maybe they were not really thinking in terms of the game genre, but about the um, thematic genre, like like mm -hmm. adventure movie, adventure novel. Yeah, definitely. The same kind of
0: stuff. Definitely, yeah. So it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, it's more creative, I think, to think of it like that.
1: You're saying the game wouldn't be more fun if you had to type in "use pirate with pirate ship," (laughs) "use cannon with use cannonball with cannon."
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'm not saying Monkey Island is not a fun game, but uh, yeah, it's definitely different, right? So uh, (laughs) yeah, that's basically how the game came together. I have one more thing to say about this, and that's about how Sid Meier actually became part of the title of the game because. Obviously, the game is not called Pirates. It's called Sid Meier's Pirates. And that's kind of an awkward title, actually, if you think about it, right? So this all had to do with the fact that Bill Steely, the business micropost guy, he was so unsure of how to market this game. And he was just not feeling it, you know? He was like, okay, we're known for these military simulation games. And all of a sudden, we're doing something completely different. So how can we market this? And how can we... Uh, communicate that this is really a quality title so one evening i read that he found himself uh, at a dinner a software publishers association dinner which i don't know is a thing in the 80s apparently in california probably and he was there and robin williams the comedian and actor was also there and they were sitting at the same table and they were talking about games and stuff And Robin Williams mentioned that to him, it seemed weird that there are famous stars in uh, sports and movies and music, but not in software and games. So this got Bill to think, well, maybe we should create a star, you know, maybe we should create some kind of stardom and and make Sid Meier into a celebrity. So that really popped this idea into his head that maybe they should bring Sid Meier forward more and, and try to sell it through that and he pitched this idea to sid and he said well what what if we put sid myers pirates on the box and sid was not really into this at all because apparently sid Meier's a really shy person by nature and yeah he's not really someone to bring himself forward like that and and the story i read and you know i don't know what's true about this and probably not a whole lot but it's still a fun story <laughs> I read it over at the the digital antiquarians website, which is an awesome website with articles about game development history stuff um and the dig- digital antiquarian guy himself he acknowledges this story probably not exactly accurate but well apparently this is how Bill Steely talks you know he makes up uh history after it happened so I don't know it's kind of it is a it is a story that Bill Steely definitely told but you know, if it happened, that's another thing. But the thing that Bill told is um, that he was having dinner with Sid Meier and their wives at the restaurant. And he was pitching this idea to Sid for, hey, we, if, what if we put this, your name on the box? And what if we turn you into a celebrity? And, and Sid was like, I, I don't know. And then Bill went, I will demonstrate to you the power of celebrity. And, and he went to the, the waiter and he said, uh, sir, please, could you make sure that my client here is not disturbed? Because, uh, yeah, we're eating dinner, but we're not looking for trouble or stuff like that. And, that, and the waiter was like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Who is this man? And and then Bill Steely went, well, don't you know, this is the famous Sid Meier I'm having dinner with. And he's a famous author. And, uh, yeah, please don't let anyone bother him because we're just having dinner here. And apparently by the time they got out of the restaurant, uh, Sid had given out 20 autographs because <laughs> whispers had gone through the restaurant. Oh, that's the famous Sid Meier. Oh, wow. So apparently this was a demonstration of how this could work out. And, you know, even if this story is not exactly accurate, I guess it sort of still works. But what do you mean it's not accurate? <laughs> well, I'm not sure if this really happened. <laughs> it just seems a bit larger than life. I don't know. But it sort of worked, didn't it? I mean, I think Sid Meier is probably one of the better known game designers out there. So (laughs) definitely putting your name in the title and and printing it in large letters on the box definitely helps to get your name out. (laughs) Surprisingly. Wasn't the worst idea, probably.
1: I mean, and that still happens today. I mean, there are still games being released today with his name on it. Definitely, you know, it's not like he's he's the sole man behind making Civilization Six. Mm. But uh, <laughs> they're still out
0: there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I I think he's still active, though, isn't he? I mean, he's still making games, right? Mm. I mean, he, he, maybe he's not the the sole person in the team, but he's still definitely involved, right? Very much so. Yes. Yeah so
3: it,
1: it is an amazing story robin williams though i do love that story that's cool isn't it
3: yeah it could be true you know it's, yeah we, we don't know but
0: i think the robin williams bit is true <laughs> he was a big gamer back in the day that's true yeah. that's true really yeah 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 i i read that uh, he was really into all these games uh, apparently robin williams was known for for being big on games so uh, that's yeah that's kind of cool if he was still here he could be a member of the DOS Game Club. <laughs> oh, uh, we totally uh, would invite them. <laughs> right. uh. Oh
2: well. So the next section that we usually talk about is graphics and sound.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, shall we do that? Sure. What do you think of the graphics?
2: They are they. They work. They are <laughs> they work. Not The prettiest EGA. <laughs> well, they they are they are not the prettiest EGA graphics that I've seen. But we've seen definitely we've definitely seen worse graphics in the history of DOS Game Club. Mm. So I, I think they the like um, the details on the small ships. I mean, they're like I don't know, sixteen by sixteen pixels or some, something. Mm-hmm. But they 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 seem like they're more detailed than than that. So yeah. especially when when you're when you're turning a ship in the wind or something, you really yeah. feel like they have mass and they 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 have structure. So even though it's just like three colors, I think. Yeah. So yeah, that that worked pretty well.
0: Did you play it on your uh, old hardware?
2: I didn't get to this
0: time. Sorry, mm, that's too bad. Because I think the graphics work better on a on a CRT screen. Actually, oh, yeah, that might be because it's quite basic. Uh, and and if you watch it on a super crisp LCD screen, yeah, it it becomes a bit too basic, maybe. But I think if you if you view it on a on a CRT screen, which would be you know appropriate. From yeah, the era. And it would add scan then, lines and some structure. Yeah, that might be... Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think I think that works better. Yeah. And of course, the graphics are ported over from the Commodore 64. So maybe that's one reason why it is a bit basic. Right. But though, uh, interestingly, um, the game also works with CGA. And
2: I think at least for the original release, they never bothered creating the uh, title screen in EGA.
0: Yeah. That's true.
2: So the title screen is actually just (laughs) CGA, and then the rest of the game is EGA.
0: Yeah, because if you start the game, it starts in CGA mode, but then it asks you what graphics mode do you want. Right, right. And I think because CGA is backwards compatible to everything else, so, yeah, that always works. Right. And if you select EGA, then it moves to EGA, yeah. Yeah. And... Did anyone think the map kind of resembles Civilization? Because to me, it feels like you're sailing on the Civilization map a little bit. Now that you mention it, yeah, it looks yeah. a lot like it, yeah. So I think this is his first game uh, where it's on a map like this. So
1: On a map with this kind of detail, yeah. You can definitely see the influences later on. Obviously, Civilization is a lot more graphically developed than this game. Mm-hmm. But you can see the influences
0: yeah. in, in, the, in the Caribbean map here. And probably the coolest part is the, the portraits we mentioned before created by uh, Michael Hare. I think, I think the, the portraits are really, they have a lot of character to them. So hmm. I think that adds a lot to the atmosphere.
2: It all, that, that's a bit like in Monkey Island, right? Because the um, graphics, there are relatively basic and then there are some places where you have really detailed... Hmm things that 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 are a bit out of out of line with the rest of the graphics.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I think this was a trick from back in the day to not have to create this level of detailed graphics for everything, but just having it from time to time gives you the impression that actually maybe the graphics are more impressive than what they actually are. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good it's it kind of works
1: there's a really good animation with uh with the governor who when he gives you a land and title for for being a good boy yeah he has a very an amazing sparkly ring and a shiny <laughs> grin that winks at you it's amazing
0: yeah i love the the evil baron he's like he has a i don't know if he winks at you but he has a really evil laugh and everything i don't know it's i love that it's really cool but uh the sound though <laughs> Oh, that's not... Oh my <laughs> God, the that's sound. Not, that's not good, is it?
2: <laughs> um, I get. I mean, they, they get some points for trying, but <laughs> the sounds are horrible. I, is there any sound in the game that's not horrible?
1: <laughs> I didn't mind the pirate ditties. The pirate ditties, to me, work really well on the PC speaker.
0: Mm. Yeah, I guess that's just a fun tune and it sort of works, but... Uh... <laughs>
2: Oh yeah! Right, right. Oh no! Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> What's that? It took me. It took me ages to figure out what it is, and I only managed to figure out what this sound means by asking people in the club. And uh, what do you think it is? <laughs> it, it. You get this sound all the
0: time on the main screen. Yeah, you hear this sound all the time when sailing. I think it's the wind. Yeah, it's, is it the wind? <laughs> it doesn't sound like wind.
2: No, well, <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. It sounds like like the sound card or the sound the PC speaker died. <laughs> Maybe it, it was possessed by some demons and then it died. <laughs> That's what it sounds like.
0: Yeah, I think it sounds better in in the other uh, versions for the other systems. I mean, uh, if you play it on the Tandy, for example, or on the Amiga. I so. or, yeah, I think it's much better on those systems. But this, yeah, the PC port. I don't think they regarded the PC port as the most important platform at the time, actually. So yeah,
2: because let's be honest, it wasn't probably. No, exactly. If you, also, if you so. take a look at the Amiga screenshots from the original yeah. release, it looks they look really, really nice.
0: Yeah, that's true. But the the Amiga version was also released a few years later. Ah. So the Amiga version is actually from 1990. So that's three years they had to create prettier graphics. Right.
1: Because we've got to remember, this is really early in the development cycle. I mean, Mm. uh, 1987
0: for Commodore 64 version of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the PC version is as well from 87, which is kind of early for, well, for any DOS game, really. I mean, uh, when did the original PC come out, Florian? I think you know this. Uh,
3: whew,
0: 83? Yeah, 80-something. Something early 80s. 81, according to... Well, yeah, the internet says 81, but I think DOS was released in 83, probably. And, you know, development happened at the time at a pretty rapid rate, so I, I don't think it stabilized until the late 80s, really. So, yeah, this is super early for a, for a DOS game. You're totally right. And, actually, maybe this is also why... It was ported to lots of 8-bit systems. Uh, the Commodore 64 is an 8-bit system, but it was also ported to the Apple II, for example, and the Amstrad CPC. Don't you have one of those, Florian? I do. Yeah. That's an 8-bit system as well, isn't it? Uh, yes. I, I mean, it's it's ported to 8-bit systems and the PC, basically. Right. So but it's, uh, it's not, not really that
2: early. I mean, we've, we've played earlier yeah. PC games, like Alley Cat or... Yeah. Uh, I like like... Four years earlier, I think.
0: That's true. But this one feels a bit in that same vein. It feels a bit in that same from that same time. There's a there's a big shift in the late eighties and early nineties when things really change in terms of graphics and sound and everything. And this is definitely from the early days. Maybe we should mention that actually I said this is a DOS game but it's not a DOS game at all is it? Not originally no. No, we're I mean we're DOS Game Club. Uh <laughs> this is not a DOS game. So uh, what are we doing? Well, we we also played <laughs> like
2: uh yeah, Alley Cat which wasn't a DOS game even on the PC I think. Right. Because it was a booter game so So what 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 how does this work Florian?
0: Ah, uh, we have to rename the club to PC Early PC Game Club. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So what happened is that they released this game in 1987 for the PC as a booter game, which means that you boot your computer with it. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah the, you put the floppy in your computer and then instead of booting to DOS, it boots to this game.
2: Yeah, it... it that kind of made sense in the early days of the PC, where the hardware was was mostly the same for everyone, mm-hmm. but memory was probably a bit much, um, very limited. So if you can just skip loading DOS, right. then you have 30k more or something like that. Right. And you might probably need that. Yeah. And it was the same for, for other platforms of the time, like the Amiga and the Atari ST. Mm-hmm. I think most of the games there actually were booter games.
0: yeah. That was really common at the time, to just start your system with the floppy disk. in A bit like yeah. consoles work, really. Right, but it, it doesn't make so much sense once your hardware becomes more
2: diverse. Like, once you have sound cards that you want to support, and maybe you need a, a mouse driver and stuff like that, then that doesn't make any sense anymore. Hmm. That's, that's when you want a proper operating system.
0: Yeah. It was ported to lots of systems, by the way. This game was ported to the Macintosh in 88. It was ported to the Atari ST in 89 and the Amiga, like we said, in 1990. But also to the Nintendo, the NES, the original n- Nintendo Entertainment System in 1991. Feels like a good platform for the game, actually. Well, to, I I watched a YouTube video of it, and and there was someone saying, well, actually, the the NES version, the the NES version, is probably one of the the best ones, really. So yeah, it it feels like 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 it was
2: made for this kind of platform.
0: Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Although in typically Nintendo fashion, uh tobacco had to be renamed to crops uh, because tobacco was considered inappropriate for children. That's ridiculous. So, yeah. Nintendo. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. fighting with swords, that's fine, but tobacco, that's not fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Oh well. Uh and then of course in, in nineteen ninety-three the the first remake. Was was released the gold version for DOS, Windows three point one, uh, Mac, uh, Macintosh, but also for the Sega Genesis, also known as the Mega Drive. So, yeah, that's that's the version I mainly played. To be honest, like that's the version I played a lot. The gold version, I think it's a pretty good version. I I tried that one, and um, I think it takes even longer.
2: To get into that one, because um, you don't have those nice, nicely menu- navigable menus that you use in the original game. Hmm. But instead, it's all just just graphics with stuff that you can click. There are no, no tooltips or anything, I think, yeah. if I remember correctly. So you'd have to try just whatever you can click on those screens. Or read the manual. Who, who reads <laughs> the manual?
0: Oh. <laughs> yes, <that. laughs> I did. What, what, what is a manual? <laughs> oh, really? I totally read the manual. Actually, the manual for this game was kind of cool. It's super thick. And it is, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's about piracy, history, and all it's it's really cool manual. So, I don't know. I, I enjoyed reading the manual as a kid for this game. So, uh, I
2: mean, But you were a kid, you had time.
0: <laughs> that's true. That's yeah, true. that's Same. true. The gold version, it supported all the modern stuff from the day, you know, super VGA graphics and sound cards and mice and CD-ROMs and everything. So it was, it was, yeah, pretty, pretty cool at the time. It had a map in the game as well. I was just going to say that. That's a big difference, isn't it, David? Yeah, I mean, just having a map instead of
1: having a, a physical paper map next to you and trying to figure out where you are is, is much easier.
0: Mm. Well. But then again, the gold version gives you a blinking dot of where you are now. Oh, even better. <laughs> yeah, you don't get that on your paper map.
2: So Well, but you, you had ways to find out where you are, right? Hmm. You can get your, um, let me not mess those up, your longitude um, from that Reckoning. And then you can get your latitude from uh, whatever you call this thing where you read the sun's yeah, the sun, highest
0: point. The sunset meter thing. Yeah, That's a weird feature. I never figured out how oh, to do It's that.
2: actually quite easy to use. So um, I forgot the name. What What do you call this thing in English? I think it's called the... The sun side. Yeah. Sun side. Right. Yeah. So what, what you basically just do, you follow the sun around on the screen, and you make sure that the top of the sun side uh, aligns with the bottom of the sun. And then you can read your latitude. Okay. And then you can look that up on your map. Okay. That's easy
0: yeah it it does make you feel like a real sailor doesn't it yes. doing that? yeah it seems really realistic actually that's yeah, really cool yeah. that's i don't think that's a, a gamified thing at all i mean that's just how it worked
2: yeah yeah i mean you i guess you probably still know need to know what time of the year it is and stuff like that to make that yeah, work okay, but yeah. <laughs> yeah still pretty cool but
1: they removed it in the in the gold version because it was just a little bit tedious
0: yeah, and you, and you have this automatic map there, so... Exactly. Mm. I mean, the, the the in-game map just shows you where you are, so, yeah, no real point in mm. having to figure out this, the location of the sun. It, it's a shame, really. I think I think it adds something to it, but I oh will. And then, of course, uh, after the, the gold version, which was also ported to the Amiga CD32, by the way, in 94, so, yeah, this game came out for every platform known to man at the time. But then not... not that much later, I think the very very um, first third remake because they made a third remake, uh, Live the Life, which is a 3D version, I think it's already from 2004. so well but that's that's 10 years. so yeah, but 2004 is is kind of it''s it's, it's a long time ago now. I mean it's kind of early for for a, a third remake in a way.
2: Yeah, but but then that version, um, according to the notes, that version stayed alive for quite a while. So it was ported over to every platform that we know today. That's true. Like the Xbox, um, PSP, Xbox 360, macOS, the Wii, and so on. <laughs> the Wii.
0: Can you imagine playing this on the Wii with your moving your stick?
2: <laughs> well, your the, stick the Wii the also has uh, a D-pad and buttons, so.
0: Yeah, and uh, they also ported it to, to phones and, and to the iPad, stuff like that. So uh, I actually played this on the iPad, the, the 3D version, when I was on holiday. And it works reasonably well. Speaking of controls, um, the original game, you
2: actually just need nine, nine keys total to play the game, right? Hmm. That's, so that, that's, that's probably one of the reasons why it maps so, so well to consoles.
0: Oh, right. That's a good point. Because you just, you, you just use the num, numpad for playing the game. Exactly. Which was sort of common for Micro games at the time. I remember uh, Railroad Tycoon, for example, and I think Civilization as well, which you can also mostly play just by using the numpad. Yeah. You know, it has all the directional keys and then the five in the middle, which you can use as a selector. That's pretty efficient use of, uh, of the numpad. Has anyone ever played Sword of the Samurai? No. Nope. Ah, uh, me neither, sadly because uh i read that actually sort of the samurai uh is sort of a spiritual successor it was released in 1989 also by microprose and well in their minds they were now making these uh like historic fantasy story games so they thought well let's make Something in a different period with a different theme. So that's why they made sort of the Samurai, which is sort of the same mechanics as pirates. But instead, you're a samurai and you have to gather, what do you call them? Samurai? <laughs> Ninjas? I don't know. Followers? Uh, and and then conquer other samurai and rule Japan. But it was um, a commercial failure, I read. So that's when micropro stopped developing more. Of these sorts of games, in a way that's kind of sad because I actually I think sort of the Samurai could actually be a very good game um from re- what I read anyway, it's really quite nice, so uh, it's like a more advanced pirates, which sounds cool. maybe maybe check that out now, although I doubt it will s- still help them in a commercial way. <laughs> <laughs> Does micropros even exist anymore? I don't think so.
1: well it's not going on sale this Christmas time. put it that way,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put this part in the note notes about the uh, contemporary reviews and about how the game was received at the time. So I just put
1: a, a little quick note there. We, we got from the, the internet there. So ah. Pirates was really quite well received. Um, hmm. Obviously, everyone was quite happy with it. This is something relatively new and exciting and interesting and. Uh, it won Computer Gaming World's Action Game of the Year for 1988. Awesome. And two Origin Awards, Best Fantasy or Science Fiction Computer Game of 1987, and then Best Screen Graphics in a Home Computer Game of 1987. Wow, that's huge, man. I mean, given that we've just dumped on the graphics but, um, <laughs> for the, the time. we were
0: impressed, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I think everyone reviewed Pirates very well, and just because it was something so entirely different. Um, I mean, if you consider that, you know, everyone was sort of making random platformers with kind of arbitrary goals or there was some role-playing games that were obtuse at the best of times. All of a sudden, this game, which is really simple to understand and and really simple and easy to play, just knocked their socks off, I think.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it really blew people's minds and also made people think about what's possible as a video game, you know, because this is really a huge world and and all these different situations you're put in. It's quite something from the text adventures and and the simple action games that were around at the time. So this is really a step up, this game.
1: And I mean I hesitate to call it a roguelike, but really it, it it's very roguelike <laughs> in 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 the way you do it. I mean it's there's not really a role-playing game element to it, but it's, it is an open world that is repeatable with uh, yeah. lots of different outcomes, you know? It's uh, very much in that vein.
2: Did the um, roguelike fans coin a term like roguelite, which means like rogue, but minus one of the essential features, which in this case would be j- uh, procedural level generation, maybe?
0: Yeah, that's probably what I was looking for, yes. Yeah, you also don't carry things over from from one game to the next, which I think some roguelike games do. Like, you don't unlock extra stuff or... or. Uh, I think that that's a modern um,
2: roguelike invention.
0: Oh, yeah, you could be right. Yeah. Hmm. Well, in that case... Yeah, to- totally, totally roguelike. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not even sure when Rogue was created, like the the original game Rogue. When did that came out? Uh, Mid '80s, off the top of my head, I think. Ah, uh, we'll probably
2: receive hate mail by Rogue fans <laughs> now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh well, but yeah, it definitely it definitely has the same sort of replayability that you find in these roguelike games. So yeah. That's, uh, I guess that's why you thought it would work well for the stream, didn't you, David?
1: Yeah, exactly. I was thinking, like, I, I can just jump on this and then play the game and not have sort of an, an end point. I haven't, I haven't got reached a point where the game is finished or I've completed the story and I have to go do something else. I can literally just repeat this. I can do a different nationality or I can do a different time period or aggressively go attack the horrible French, for example. <laughs> You know, and have it as a new experience each time. Yeah. And for something like a stream, yeah, that would be useful uh, with it because otherwise you
0: have to go and find ways of generating new content all the time in other ways. Exactly. And even if you pick the same things, different things will still happen because that's Mm -hmm. just the nature of this game. So um, how how much money did you
3: guys gather and what was your high score? Not not much i me mean, <laughs> well a couple of hundred thousand actually but but not in the end not in the treasure cave but yeah you know you know the big treasures give you a lot of money but it had to be divided so
2: yeah i never got there so i think oh.
0: um i ended up with a few thousands okay oh, that's too bad back in the day i i i think i've reached the top level a few times oh, okay um but this, this time around, I I don't know, I ended up somewhere in the middle. Uh, if you do really poorly, I think you end up as a, a beggar or something like that, <laughs> which is like the lowest rank. It's kind of fun, though. I mean, I feel that sometimes these these end high, high score screens, they're a bit tacked on, like, oh, yeah, and, and you get a score, end of the game. But this, in this case, it feels really polished, and it feels like a lot of care has been put in because... There's, a, there's quite a massive list of different ranks you can get in the end, right? There's like, I don't know, 20 or more? Oh, that reminds me a little bit of uh,
3: Civilization as well. Uh, when you finish the game in one of the earlier ones, you you're, you get a title as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very like similar. Like the brutal and the cruel and uh, stuff like that. It's very similar to that. Did you remember your highest score, David? I think this time around I, I got quite... I got relatively
1: low. I didn't uh, end up dividing the plunder that much, but I, I ended up getting a fair bit of land. I did well on the land side of things. Mm. Right. But uh, I, I remember I, I had a save game in my in my zip um, where I was basically a major in all three of the European fleets. Lovely. So I, I I was very tempted to pick that up and pretend that I'd done that for the stream, but uh, <laughs> no, no that, that
0: would just be rude and cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back in the day, I definitely managed to, to get like a royal title in all different nationalities and, and end up, uh, yeah, with, with crazy amounts of money, because basically what you can do is you can start an expedition and then try to get, get a sense of the political situation, like who's enemy with who and immediately go attack one of the guys. Another nation is, is, uh, fighting war with, And then immediately you score, what do you call it, a promotion right there at the start of the game. And that sets you off on the family mission. And if you find the the, the family member in the first round, then you can already get one of the ancient treasures right away. And if you divide the plunder after that, you get a pretty decent chunk of money just from one expedition. And then you can repeat that four times. And if you do that, then... You're basically rich already. So if you play this really efficiently, you can you can get pretty rich rather fast. I think. Right. Did you get the uh, fleet, the Spanish fleet, or the gold train, or what? Was yeah, there's these extra missions, yeah. uh, or extra what do you call them? Goals, things to do. Yeah. Um. There's there's two. I think there's the the silver train. Right. which massively confused me as a child because this game is set in the 17th century and there's trains. What? <laughs> didn't understand that at all. But apparently they, they called... It was more like a trail. It was the Silver Trail. Or the Silver Train was a, a network of roads along South America because uh, they especially found a lot of gold in Peru the um, The Spanish, so they had a an on land route along South America to transport the gold into the Caribbean, and once it was in the Caribbean, they would use the treasure fleet to sail it to Spain. So, yeah, that was the whole operation was getting all this gold out of the area and into spain you'd think spain is massively rich wouldn't you right they spent it (laughs) all they spent it all (laughs) i mean seriously thinking about uh how much money and gold spain got at the time you'd think they're the richest country on earth but Hmm. yeah i don't know what they did maybe you're right maybe just spend (laughs) they had a couple of hundred years to do (laughs) it yeah yeah that's true (laughs) but um yeah, these the 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 Silver Train and the Treasure Fleet are two uh, objectives in the game and they they travel around, I think, is what they do, so they're at different ports and different times and if you happen to encounter them, you can uh, you can attack the city where they're at and then if you successfully beat the city, then all the gold is yours, which is another uh, 40,000, I think. Okay. Something in that range, forty fifty thousand. 50000 so. Yeah, I definitely did that back in the day and I also managed to to defeat one of them I think the the treasure fleet but it's kind of difficult because they move around okay so yeah yeah you have to follow them yeah kind of get lucky as well
3: yeah I tried it out but I couldn't find it
0: <clears throat> yeah they move around all the time it's uh but, uh, but actually uh, once you get married uh your wife will also monitor this and tell you like oh look the silver train is in this and this town oh, so right. that's another benefit of marriage
2: the most important
0: one <laughs> <laughs> other than the score <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah there's a lot to this game so if people are into if it seems nice if you're listening to this and think oh that's sounds like something i could enjoy you can play it nowadays can't you
2: oh yeah obviously you can because we just did
0: <laughs> yeah okay but what 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 would be uh, a way for maybe not dosk Crazy people like we are. I think it's just simply on on Steam and GOG, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I bought it from GOG. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's an easy way to play it. I don't know about
2: the um, Steam version, but on GOG you get you buy the gold version and you get the original game for free with it. That's right.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's an awesome way to play it,
2: and it's and it's not expensive. I mean, it's like six euros or something like that. So. Yeah. yeah, not 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 much money for quite a few hours of fun yeah. if you can get um, over
0: the initial hurdles. Yeah. Well, it is an old game. I mean, it is what it is. Oh, yeah, of, of of course. Yeah. And and of course, if you're if you're not so much into the the retro aspect of it all, you can just play the the modern remake, right? Which I guess is still kind of okay. It may be the graphics are a bit dated by modern standards but I I don't know. Still the same game, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a fair way to play it nowadays, I think. And probably the same price. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah, especially by now. Yeah, definitely. The new game is is a little bit different in that it introduces a new some new mini games, right?
1: Yeah, so um there is a, a mini game for sneaking into a town, so in the old games, you would just try and sneak into a town by selecting the menu option, and then there would be a dice roll, and you either would or wouldn't get in. Mm-hmm. In this one, there is actually kind of a maze where you try and get around and sneak around some guards to get into the town. Yeah. It's a little bit tedious, but it's okay for a mini game. Mm hmm. There is also another minigame where instead of uh, the romancing the governor's daughter is now a a dance minigame, which is universally hated. Mm -hmm. Except by people Um, who like dancing. I think think
0: there's something wrong with the timing of the dancing. (laughs) I I think the hatred is is mostly because it's not very piratey. I mean, people play this because they want to be a badass pirate and then suddenly they find themselves in a dance hall dancing to classical music and they're like what am i doing i i think that's mainly the reason because actually the minigame is not too bad is it i mean it's a little bit hard but it's it's not it's not the end of the world no No. so but um yeah it is what it is the the dancing is not in the original game at all it's just not a thing but you don't you don't need to get married right so that's true, that's true. Yeah, you can just be a bachelor, just be a, a, a lonely pirate. That's, <laughs> that's fine too. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's, that's kind of important to know. But if you can get over that, then yeah, by all means, just play the modern remake and, and have fun with that. Especially if you want to play on a console or on a, uh, like an iPad or a phone or something, then yeah, seems like a pretty viable option to me. Right.
1: So whilst we're talking about minigames, uh, on reflection, would there be any, any minigames that you guys particularly liked? Was there one that you liked? The, 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 we talked about a little bit earlier, but um, also what minigames would you think you might want to add into this Ooh. game? I, I think there's room to add a minigame for ship boarding. So you would quite right. say all the men go to the front of the ship or to the back of the ship and have a little fight before the actual sword fight itself.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a, a good definitely. idea.
2: The sword fight, I mean, it it goes on until you either defeat um, the other captain or your own crew is uh, entirely dead, right?
1: Yeah, you, you go down to being you, you're the lone man left, and after
2: you're the lone man left, you take one hit of the sword
1: and you are out. Right. Yeah. And well,
2: that that was very abstract, so it didn't really feel like um, the crews of two ships battling each other it was mostly just the captains and some numbers that just went down in the bottom of the screen
0: yeah you have to imagine that i think that's that's done a little bit more justice in the modern remake where they actually show all the different guys fighting and you in the middle with the captain but yeah yeah you just have to imagine it yeah, it was very <laughs> abstract so yeah. maybe
2: maybe some small game around that aspect would have been nice
0: hmm i i personally always wished you could start your own pirate base. I mean, you can attack these other cities and install these other uh, governors, but wouldn't it be cool if you could just pick a spot, like an empty spot on the map, and say, this is my pirate hideout?
2: Maybe someone played a bit much XCOM lately. (laughs) Well,
0: (laughs) no, but that just seemed like a cool thing to me. Just manage your own pirate base and, and... Instead of having to rely on all the other towns, just set your own thing up. That seemed like a cool thing to me. But sadly, that's not an option. Start your own pirate civilization, you say. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, It just
3: expands the game a lot, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, but why not? Uh, I personally like the the sea battle mini game a lot. I mean, ah, Florian said <laughs> you don't like it. I I I love uh, it. I think it's great. It's
2: it's cool, uh, but it's not not so much fun to play actually. Yeah, I, not, I don't know. Not man. when you're. I mean, may, maybe if you know more about the different types of ships that you can have, and you know the frigate is is faster than the other ships, maybe that's different than when you know what to use to attack. I mean, maybe maybe there's, there's just too much depth to the mm. game. Maybe for me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it just needs more time.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think it's just interesting strategically because it's a, it's a bit slow, but that hmm. means that your positioning is really important. So, uh, yeah, you try to get into a good position so you can fire a shot, but then if the other ship turns, and then suddenly you get shot at. You can't get out of the way quickly. so. I think that's all pretty intriguing actually.
2: I think it's cool. Well, yeah. At least on the difficulty levels that I played on, getting hit didn't really ever do anything bad to me. So mm. at least up up into the the medium difficulty, it's like, yeah, you get hit, but who cares?
0: Well, it, it depends a lot on uh the the amount of cannons that are on the other ship because if it's a merchantman or a cargo flute or you know one of the smaller merchant ships they typically only have very little cannons so they can't do that much damage but if you're up against a galleon or a frigate or something like that you will get damage when you're hit i mean those guys shoot with 24 cannons at once and yeah you will feel it if you're if your sloop gets hit the oh, well, mast yeah, will go maybe. down.
2: <laughs> some, w- one small problem is that you approach the enemy ship, and you don't really know from what direction you approach it, right? Mm. And so that that means you cannot really plan with the wind. So maybe they they're just away from you, and the wind is coming
0: from from the back. Well, and you have you have no chance to ever reaching mm, them, right? I I think there's some strategy actually that's pretty. In- you you have to try to get behind them. That's really the trick. If you can get, get behind them, then well, then if they turn, you can just sail along. Yep. but it's, it's like if when it when it starts out,
3: and if if you're in a direction uh, like against the wind, and you're completely frozen, and they're in a better direction, they just get mm. so far yeah. ahead of you that you yeah. can't
2: really uh, catch up to them. That's true. That's true. So that's often, true. I just had to give up on the battle because I knew it would just take 15 minutes for me to yeah. be disappointed. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's not good. So, so, what do you think of the game overall? Then, like as a conclusion, as a, would you recommend it to other people? Uh, well, what, what what do you think? Is it like you expected? Um, I didn't. I don't really know what I expected of the game.
2: Um, not this. But it was quite some. <laughs> <laughs> not this. That's for sure. <laughs> no. Uh, well, um, I, I I had quite a lot of fun with it. it, but it needs some dedication to get beyond the first hour or so. I agree. So if 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 you if you like games of that era and you know you can master the I don't know the, the willpower to go through the the first sixty seventy minutes of the game, then it can be quite good, I think. Right.
3: Yeah, I think if you if you start it now and you haven't played it when you were a kid, so the the nostalgia isn't there. I think mm-hmm. it it takes a, a bit of getting into, but yeah. if you're up for that, I think you can get a lot of. There are. A lot of aspects to this game and, and it's a really it's a really good game i think so so if you're up for investing a bit of time in it i think you can get a lot of entertainment out of it
2: right yeah there's one important thing though if you're playing the original don't play it on an, on an original pc right. <laughs> or a real pc <laughs> or pl- unplug the pc speaker right.
0: <laughs> something
2: to protect yourself from that <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe at least sometimes you can, you can route the PC speaker through your sound card. So it goes through the, the, like the speakers you have at the side. So at least you can adjust the volume because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Oh, well. Ah, these these guys don't know what they're talking about, do they, David?
3: <laughs>
1: oh, there's, there's no love, no love
0: at all. I mean, just that
1: wind sound. Just, think, I'm just thinking i thinking through my head now, and just getting a splitting headache. There's nothing wrong with that, surely, surely. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, this that that difficulty spike at the start, understanding how broadsides work and how ship combat is working, and then working out the uh, the sword fighting. I mean. If you get into that mode where you can get the strong low attack and then another follow-up quick low attack and get that combo combo working, you're you're set for most of the game, I think. And once you've done that, then it's really open up to you and it's up to you how much fun you want to have. So it's um something worth a try for everyone, I think. Yeah.
0: I mean, I sort of understand that maybe uh you don't want to check out the original version because that's just maybe a bit much for you. But especially the more re the more modern remake, that's yeah, that's pretty accessible, I think. It's very accessible, yeah. So, And it removes a lot of the elements that are that are
1: a little bit baffling, like not having any other ship on the screen and then all of a sudden being in a battle mm. and that you can
0: actually see the enemy ships come to you and then act appropriately. Yeah. It's kind of hard for me, honestly, because I've played this game so much, like you said, Jonas, that it's just nostalgia. It's just, a, mm. a, you know, I can't see past it. It's just... Exactly. when I see this game, I think of, oh yeah i I was eight years old, I was all into this game. I can't not feel that, so exactly, so, we all have yeah. those games, so. yeah, yeah, exactly, so so yeah, should you recommend it? I don't know, weirdly, it's it's one of the few pirate open world games out there. I mean, you'd think this would be a more copied genre because there are. For sure, there are a lot of fantasy open world games, for example, like, you know, RPGs where you're just sort of night guy and you're walking around. There's loads of those kind of games, but there are not that many pirate games, I feel, which is, yeah, it's kind of a shame.
1: There is, uh, yeah, one of the, poor, I think at Port Royale 2, you can essentially go off and become a pirate from the start of the game instead of engaging in the trading inherent in that game. Hmm. But uh, that's meant to be a trading game, meant to be a a merchant game more than anything else. Right. Um, Yeah. There are a few shootery-type pirate games out there that have varying levels of success, including an MMO that I forget off the top of my head. Hmm. But there is also, I think, a lot of people have said that Assassin's Creed Black Flag has a a lot of the similar fun pirating in it that this game has.
0: Right. That's a good point. Yeah, but that's, Mm. yeah. A very it's a different very game. different, yeah. <laughs> Although it does have the sea battles, I guess. So that's it's it's got that going for it. I did actually play that one, the Black Flag. Uh, I, I borrowed it from my cousin, uh, and I played it, and and I had to finish it quickly because he wanted it back, you know. So I, I felt compelled to to finish this game. And I was really into it and playing it for about two weeks or something. And then I reached the, the final boss, the end battle against a, a big threatening ship. And I was getting ready for the final fight. Like, oh, yeah, this is it. And then the enemy ship, it it hit a rock and it sank. And I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so that was weird. <laughs> I was like, I, I, barely, I barely did anything. I was still turning to get a shot in. And then it sank by itself. anticlimactic. So that's my Black Flag review. (laughs) Yeah, and this game, you know, I just love this game. Mm -hmm. I think this game is great, and it's the best game ever, and everyone should play it, and yeah, that's... That's great. (laughs) That's just what I think. So, yeah, that's Pirates, I think. I mean, it's getting kind of late, so we should wrap this up, right? right? Right. Yeah. So... What's going on uh, with the club, Florian? Uh, well, um, well, you don't know because you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, oh, I, I, missed, were, I missed a
2: few weeks, but I, I think I'm still mm. in the loop and know what's going on.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, okay.
2: So in October, which is almost a week ago now, um, yeah. we played the seventh guest.
0: Mm -hmm. which is one of those spooky games yeah
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) which is which is one of those um fmv games so like like interactive movie thing yeah i didn't actually get to play it because Uh. of the reasons that i also didn't join the last two or three three podcast episodes yeah two two i think at least um yeah at least two um yeah, so the next episode will be interesting for me.
0: <laughs> We've got people lined up already though, people who who said they wanted to be on the seventh guest episode. So yeah, that one is coming together already quite quickly. So uh
2: Yeah, so I, I guess I'll play a more passive role in that one. Mm. Um yeah, at the moment, right now in November, we're playing Wipeout, mm-hmm. which everybody knows as this big PlayStation title, but apparently there's a DOS port. <gasps> I have no idea.
0: I no, mean, neither. Yeah, it totally is. It's it's the same game. It's exactly the same. Uh, I think it was sort of common back in the early days of the PlayStation. Like, uh, for example, Tomb Raider is another one of those big <clears throat> playstation e games that, that totally came out for DOS as well. Okay. So, uh Yeah. It's uh, it's wipeout. It's it's 3D pot racing, really chunky pixels. <laughs> no, no 3D acceleration whatsoever. Uh, yeah, it's great. Exactly. So that's what we're doing right now, right? That's November.
2: Um, now next month, December, we had a poll once again about the game we should play in that month, mm-hmm. and we wanted some. Um, Top-down perspective um, role-playing games. So we we pitched Dark Sun, Darklands, Albion, and Ultima Seven against each other, and I don't think I have to tell you what who won because it's obvious.
0: Albion, obviously Albion. <laughs> well, it, it it was second, second place. Huh. I wish I kind of wish to play Albion one day. I think Albion could be interesting.
2: It's twenty three percent, but the mm. um, so the winner of this poll has almost twice as many votes. So obviously oh. obviously Dark Sun. No. <laughs> um, Ultima seven. Forty three percent out of eighty-seven votes. And yeah, so that's 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 great. Yeah. So that's what we're going to play in um December.
0: Wow. Ultima seven is a big game, right? So yeah, I hope I hope people can hope just it's... spend the, the holidays, like the Christmas days off to, to play Ultima. That would be
2: great. Uh, that would be great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And just I think yesterday or the
2: day before, no, yesterday, mm. we picked um, our game for January already, and it's nothing less than Team Seven Team's wonderful game called Worms.
0: Well, uh, Worms, <laughs> <yeah>.
2: <laughs> that's
0: fantastic. Yeah. That
2: is a fun it game. Is. So yeah, we're 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 having. We kinda having a run here of great games. So yeah.
0: Yeah, but you know, there's just so many cool games. There's no reason not to pick the cool ones because Right. Yeah. We're not running out of games anytime no. soon, are we? <laughs> Unlikely. So uh worms. I remember playing worms and I named my four worms after the four members in our family. <laughs> like my sister and my dad. And I showed my mom, like, oh look at this game. And then like a rocket landed on her head. <laughs> she was not impressed with this game at all. Weird. That's very weird. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you if you like this DOS game stuff, uh, maybe you can join us over at our website, dosgameclub.com, um, where we have uh, forums, and you can chat about the games there, and you can also have a suggestion forums where, where you can suggest games we can play in the future, and then... If we pick it, we try to invite you, and and then maybe you can be on the podcast. So that's cool.
2: You can also be on the podcast if you don't um, suggest a game. You just have to like the game very much, and of course, then of tell course, us, "Hey, I want to be on the show."
0: Just, totally, totally. Um, you can also chat with us on IRC. We have an IRC channel, all old school and stuff. On uh, what channel are we actually on? Afternet. Uh, Uh, yes yeah so after that dos game club uh you can also use the uh widget on the website although actually i heard that it's broken what it is broken it's been for a while
2: man why does nobody tell me
0: well we're telling you now uh oh there's
2: uh, the ssl certificate expired
0: well i'll I'll fix that (laughs) Yeah, so maybe you we can fix use that. the widget in a few
2: days. Probably when exactly. you when you're listening to this uh, podcast, you can actually use it again. It will be fine.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So you can head over to the website and and join the chat through that. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter where we call Dosken Club as well. Uh, I think we have over two thousand followers now. So oh yeah, we totally have. That's to. kind of insane. Uh, yeah, can't yeah. tell you the exact so, number. Uh, it is two thousand and sixty-two followers. Wow. wow nice. ah, amazing. That's, that's insane pretty good amount of <laughs> dos people yeah so that's that's one way uh yeah and if you're listening to this in a podcasting app then then we really appreciate it if you would leave a review and and subscribe and all that stuff uh really helps we're also on spotify now <laughs> yeah we're also on spotify and i think we're on everything you know i don't know all the apps out there but like stitcher and google and uh, all the things so uh itunes obviously so yeah totally Check us out over there. And that's it for us, I suppose. Uh, thank you all for listening. And thank you guys for, for being here. Yeah, thank you a lot. Thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Yeah. So see you all uh, next time, right? Yep. So bye. See you. Bye. bye. bye.